the Lamb and Flag BTCC podcast, powered by Cataclean. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Lamb and Flag, the BTCC podcast, powered by Cataclean. Uh, this is David Addison. Matt James is anti-socially distancing two metres away. And <laughs> this you. week, we'll discuss the best driver never to win a BTCC race in the modern age. Uh, Dan Rowbottom will join us to talk about what he's been up to in lockdown. And Mark Blundell is popping in for a look back on an illustrious career that now includes his team involvement in the BTCC. Right, Matty, got a drink? Uh, I have, thank you very much. I've got a, I've got a lager. Marvellous. Uh, lockdown going well? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. We're still um, busy producing motorsport news and, uh, you know, serving all the customers in the lamb and flag. So there's not a lot of spare time. Excellent. Um, I'll have a houblon chouf, please. And you'll, you'll have a what? A houblon chouf. It's a proper Belgian IPA. So run along. We have, we have that in takeaway facility. So you'll squirrel away and drink that on your own. Excellent. Thank you so much. The Lamb and Flag BTCC podcast, powered by Cataclean. First at the bar this week is Carlube Triple R Racing Cataclean Mac Tools driver Dan Rowbottom. Um, we all need a drink after reading out a long team name like that. What can we get you? I don't know. I fancy something with an umbrella in it. What have you got? Well, there's an old man in the corner who's got an umbrella. <laughs> we could do a margarita for you or something snazzy like that. That'll be fine. A margarita would be lovely. Extra salt. Good, good. Okay, coming up. Oh, tremendous. Drink, drink funny things in Kidderminster. Uh, right, what have you been up to then in, in lockdown? Because when we spoke at um, Silverstone, there was always optimism about your second season in the championship. And, of course, then we've had this hiatus. Yeah, it's been a bit strange. But I've, been, I've actually, well... The first week, I started to ride lawnmowers. That was quite exciting. And then I had a couple of outtakes where I nearly lost a foot. So I thought, well, better stop this now. And then ever since then, really, I've just been dossing around. It's been fantastic not doing a lot. Uh, trying to lose a bit of weight, which is so far successful. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of, you know, it, we, none of us have sort of been put in this position before. And it's kind of... Uh, I've kind of adapted a bit to it now, so maybe going back to normal will feel strange. I don't know. I don't know. I was going to you ask did... about the fitness thing because the, the, are there days where you're all sort of full of enthusiasm and positiveness, and you want to go out and train? Or, and are there days where you a big cloud of I don't know depression and gloom, and you just can't be bothered? No, actually, I'd be I'd be really really honest with you, and my wife will attest to this. I've been really really strict, so I have trained every day. I've either gone running or on the bike, mainly on the push bike because I hate running. I think it's just a, a horrible sport that just is a waste of time. But anyway, um, and uh, <laughs> uh, so I've been on the I've been on the bike as much as I can, well, every single day, really. And um, yeah, I'm sticking to it. So, but it was kind of nice because when you're doing the whole BTC piece in season and you've got all the commercials to deal with, it sounds like a feeble excuse, but I genuinely have such a little amount of spare time, and you don't do it and then obviously you go to the weighing scales at the start of the year and you realise that you're one of the fattest drivers on the grid and it's just embarrassing so <laughs> no, it's not, it's, hopefully it won't be that 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 this time but we'll see last time we spoke to you at Silverstone you, you damaged your hand trying to do some DIY at home uh, you said. just mentioned that you nearly ran your foot over on a lawnmower <laughs> I'm just hoping you haven't 
fucking too many of these homes under the hammer programs and you know, <laughs> sort of climbing onto roofs well, and all this sort of thing. Well, well, actually, it's funny that you say that because I've just this last week been back on the roof for the first time since the thumb incident. We're now referring to it as that. And, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, thumb gate. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm tied in the roof now, which is which is uh, an exciting sport. I've nearly killed the neighbour's dog. <laughs> With uh, <laughs> tiles that slip and all that kind of stuff. You know, and, uh, it's not a sport, don't you? <laughs> well, it is in my eyes. It's a competition. <laughs> how fast? How fast can you do this? God. So the career as a stuntman, he's coming on quite well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, definitely. Yeah. He's fine me out a rocket next month. No problem with a helmet on. I'll be fine. I just wonder whether it's something in the geography because you're not that far away from Matt Neal in terms of where you live and every season Matt has another injury whether it's at the start or the finish of the season and and, and here are you trying to injure yourself all the time. It must be something in, in the well, air. Well, I'll be really honest with you. I was really pissed off that day that he hurt himself because that was the day that I cut my thumb and I was like, right, I'm going to get some Instagram. I'm going to get some points out of this. You watch me. And then there's that... There, there's that moron lay up a tree looking half dead. I'm like, I can't, I can't put this yeah. on now. I look like a right, see, right idiot. That, that's why he's a champion. He knows when to do, to go at the right time, doesn't he? You know, that's, it, exactly. that's the experience. For I just wonder. I just wonder also, mate. You know, obviously you're in touch with with Adam, your teammate. You talk to him, Adam Morgan. Are you in touch with any of the other drivers over this period? Do you sort of talk to each other and chivvy each other along, or is it you just ignore them completely? You're not well, in touch on the track, so why would no, you be no. in Lockport? <laughs> <laughs> what you mean off where I'm waving to them at the, yeah, exactly. at the front. Yeah. Anyway. Gap coming um, down. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I tell, well what has been interesting in this in this off season, I'm gonna call it, is this online sim racing community has kind of brought us all together in a virtual sense. So mm-hmm. I've stayed in touch with quite a few drivers doing that. Um that's been a big part of it as well. Uh, been a very expensive part of it because we've all spent a fortune and could have remortgaged houses, I think, for what we've all spent on Are you any good at it? Computer I'm pretty good, but I I probably don't. I mean, Adam. Okay, I'm just gonna give you a little story now. Adam Morgan, who is my teammate, who I love dearly, he goes another level. So he's gone and spent quite a significant sum of pounds, as we all have. And now he sent me a picture last week where he's downloaded, and installed a data logging app for the sim. And I'm like, I ain't doing that. You know, this no. this is ridiculous. You're taking it too far now. So that's a bit um, keen, isn't it? It's a bit keen. He's, so he's there with his little Motec and his little notepad and his pen and his spectacles, looking like a right pillock. But you know, he's just, he's just, yes, yeah, yeah. so you can take it far. But I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. He's, I'm he's right. just trying to swerve the new dad duties, isn't he? That's what he's doing there. I think he's been quite. I think he's been quite strategic. And actually, this whole lockdown, <laughs> I think Caroline yeah. Blesser thought it was going to be great new dad training, and all he's done is sat on his ass on a <laughs> Uh, what I didn't realise, Dan, until the other week is that there was a Cataclean involvement in motorbike racing as well. There's a guy called Joe Francis that's a BSB rider. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the other connection is that, that it was bikes initially uh, that started you in motorsport, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so sort of my whole family's motocross, but I think I said to you the, the other week, it's, back then it was called scrambling, I think, because they used to wear goggles and scarves when they rode. But anyway, um, uh <laughs> Yeah, so the, the, that's the family link. And I started off on sort of motocross bikes when I was three, four, maybe five. But uh, it was kind of a mutual. There were two reasons, really. My mum didn't want me getting hurt because obviously when you fall off a bike, it generally breaks things more so. Mm. And two, I was a bit wimpy when it came to going over the jumps. I was all right when I was on the on the ground, but the bit where you left the ground, I didn't like it. So cars seemed a little bit more uh, more of a place for me or go-karts at then. So. But she's fine with you being on the roof and trying to chop your hand off. 
Well, no, no, there's no. I'm pretty. No, hang on. I need. So the full story is I'm now banned from any power tools. So every. T so yesterday, for example, I was cutting some lath, which is how I nearly cut my thumb off, may I add. So I thought, I'm not going to use a handsaw because that's what happened before. So I've got a major phobia of handsaws now. So I got my Dewalt power saw. And then literally, the minute I span it up, I've got my wife screaming out the window. She's like, I'll, I'll call you, mum. I'll call you, mum. I'll tell her. I'll tell her. So I had to put that down as well. So I just had to snap it like a, a caveman with a stick. I've just got this vision now of people coming out at 8 o'clock on a Thursday night and clapping for you because you're still alive. <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> brilliant, isn't it? Uh, what, what happens now, Dan, in this, in this hiatus? I mean, there are only so many conversations you can have with an engineer and with the team with nothing fresh to add. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we've been doing like a weekly, and it has been weekly, I think. Every Tuesday, in fact, there's one tonight, uh, which I, I was going to try and swerve this week, but now I've done this, I probably can't. But anyway, um, <laughs> we've been doing a weekly meeting and going through uh, the test programme I had over the winter because, to be fair, Steve and Nick came in and very different approach to last year and did lots of different things with the cars over the winter. And mm. uh, we just collated loads and loads and loads of data. So they've been kind of breaking that down into bite-sized idiot chunks that Adam and I can digest, if that makes sense. So we've been doing that every week. And I think we've probably still got another couple of weeks before we've covered everything that we did in testing. So by the time that comes, right. we might be able to go testing again, possibly fingers crossed, who knows? And then we're, collect a bit more data so yeah it's 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 a bit intense to be honest but it is what it is so it's good you're going to be the best prepared you've ever been aren't you i am going to be the best prepared i've ever been but Brilliant. i'll be definitely the thinnest i've ever <laughs> been that's a fact so well, what's, the, what's the beard situation at the moment i've had to trim it so it's it's back to it's still there but it's 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 a it's a tidy you know mm. it's a tidy fashionable trim i'm gonna say okay well, that's good uh, much like yourself matt um Exactly. Thanks. What's the, what's the reaction, Dan, from the team in terms of the calendar? We know, fingers crossed, we're going to start now in August, but inevitably we've got a number of events back to back and a limited time between two and, if you like, the next pair. Um, is the team sort of shrugging and saying, OK, that's what it is, we'll get on with it? Or are they thinking about potential problems that might bring up? Or um, I, Well, I think, you know, the, the obvious... The first, the first thing is, you know, the the fact that we've got a calendar that is still as full as it is is remarkable in itself, isn't it? So I think we've all got to go. Well, do you know what? It is what it is. But that there is going to be significant strain, I think, on everyone's resources because it's inevitable that there's going to be some big shunts. There always is. You can't do anything yeah. about that. And with such limited time within the the weekends you know, you're going to have to be really, really on your game to make sure the cars are prepped, ready, even straight, you know, because yeah. you can put a car back together, but whether it's straight or not is, is another thing. So it kind of, I think the strain's going to be enormous. Um, you know, I keep... Just, just don't crash it, Dan. No, well, I'm going to try I'm going to try not to, but you know yeah. me, it's, uh, there's, there's always an opportunity that you know, <laughs> we'll have a go. Um, but yeah, I think the other side of it is possibly the hidden financial cost that perhaps people aren't talking about yet because... You know, if you think about the way a race team is usually structured with the guys that come in for the weekends only, yes. they're probably going to need to be required more now. So, you know, the costs inevitably are going to go up. And obviously, I'm, you know, from a driver's perspective, I won't bother coming back home between the two events, you know, the two sets of pairs. So I'll be on the road for, you know, 20, 25 days in that month. So I think everyone's, 
th- th- there is a hidden cost to this, but I, it's not as much of a hidden cost, I don't believe, as not going racing. So, to me, that's the that's yeah. that's the bit that, that we need to focus on. It's going to be fascinating to see how it all pans out. Uh, Dan, thanks for joining us. Take your umbrella. Uh, we'll see you in the paddock. Tremendous. The Lamb and Flag BTCC podcast, powered by Cataclean. A good topic of debate in the Lamb and Flag is who is the best driver from the BTCC not to have won a race? Now, how far back do you want to go to a championship that began in 1958? Um, there are all sorts of options you could throw in, like Alan Grice, for example, who won at Bathurst and did a couple of races in 1988 but didn't win anybody. So let's try to keep it in the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years or so, this Oof, relatively okay. modern age. Um, my vote is for a man actually who did take the chequered flag first but got a time penalty for contact, and it's Johnny Adam. Massey, right, your, yeah, yeah. your opinion? Uh, yeah, Johnny's an excellent driver, as he's gone on to prove in um, GT racing and at Le Mans, British GT's multiple titles there. Um, he was in a good car on W320SI, was, was, a, was a race winning car. He was very, very unlucky. Mm. Um, I think probably one of his most famous moments in the BCC was having the fire extinguisher sprayed all over him at Knock Hill, if you remember. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, he was, he was unlucky not to, uh, not to claim his win at Brands Hatch after uh, uh, a slightly controversial uh, collision with Jason Place at the top of Paddock, wasn't it, I think? That's right. And um, yes, he, the bite a bit in a sense, because he was given this time penalty and it dropped him to second in the airwaves BMW. But he was a double Sayat champion, a Clio champion as well. And yet for that whole season in the BTCC, he never got another chance at winning a race. That was in the very first meeting. It was race three of the opening event at Brands. And you think, OK, well, penalty drops to second. His time will come a bit like it did for Jake Hill uh, mm. last season. But for poor old Johnny, the chance never did come again. No, it was dominated by the Hondas and the Chevrolets, wasn't it? And it, you know, we were so used to seeing the BMWs win regularly with with West Surrey, um, but I think they just that the 320 was getting rather long in the tooth at that stage, wasn't it? And it, so Johnny was kind of in the in the the wrong place at the wrong time, wasn't he? Um, just unlucky. Yeah, unlucky. Um, and also, people rather forget that he was a touring car driver. As you rightly say, he's made this great name for himself with Aston Martins mopping up in GT racing, whether it's been in Britain or in what was the Block Pan and, uh, Endurance Series or, of course, in the WEC. But um, the, the one-mate background and the touring car year is rather unfairly forgotten. So he's my vote for the best driver in the modern age uh, not to have had a proper race win. I'm slightly concerned about your time limit of sort of 15 years. I'd, I'd rather stretch it back to sort of 20. Oh, go on. Um, yeah, because I... The one I want to include is Danny Buxton, um, who sort of made sporadic appearances, didn't he, with the Peugeot in the, in the early part of the century. Yeah. Um, we know what a class driver Danny is from everything he's done in, in Clio's One Make Series. Um, fantastic. And, and it, unlike Johnny, he just sort of, sort of never got a, a full sort of bite at the cherry, did he? He got half a season in 2003 mm. Mm. Um, with the 307 Peugeot, which, let's face it, wasn't the most fashionable or best car on the grid. Um, and he drove his little socks off, but it just it just didn't didn't work out for him. And he's um, you know he, he went on to have a successful career as a team manager, uh, a team owner. But yeah. um, but I think you know he's one of the guys whose whose talent never really sort of shone on the BTCC track. And another one I'd pitch for is also um, Adam Jones, if you remember him. Yes. Uh, yes. In the drove the GR Asia Sayat for quite a while. Um, 
Uh, again, another guy who we'd seen successful in, in all sorts of racing that he'd done up, up until the point he joined the BCC. And it just never really clicked for him. He was always one that was struggling for budget, struggling for money. I know it's a story that a lot of people say, but um, it was never more evident than, than when he... Just a couple of podiums in the say in 2008, but that's as far as he ever got, really. I mean, part of it, I suppose, is who you're driving for and what the car is and what your background is. Um, you know, Darren Turner came into the championship, didn't he, in the other say-out with Jason Plato. Well, he'd had a, a spell in the DTM with Mercedes, but it was a very different type of touring car. Darren did win, but, you know, he never was as comfortable, it didn't seem, in that type of two-litre touring car as he had been in more powerful, effectively, silhouette cars. Yeah, I mean, he, he you know, Darren's a wonderful driver and a, and a great bloke, but there was no mm -hmm. doubting he was number two in that team, wasn't he? Um, but then, you know, you, you say that, but look at people like, um, I believe Nick Tandy did the Dunlop tyre test a few years ago, didn't he, mm, for Motorbase, right. and, and managed to top the time. So, you know, one, one doesn't necessarily preclude speed in the other, but it does seem that the mindset of actually racing a BCC car is something unique to the specialists that we have on the grid. Indeed. Uh, right, so how do we vote then out of Danny Buxton or Johnny Adams for <coughs> the best is? I think, it's, I think I get the casting vote as the landlord, personally. Um, well, hang on a minute, I'm the worker. Ah, uh, that's true. So, yeah. you know. Well, I, d I do want to mention in dispatches Carl Jones because no conversation I can ever have about touring car greats goes without mentioning Carl Jones. That takes us back to the late 1980s, though. That's outside our time limit. No, oh, come on, man. <laughs> okay. Uh, your thoughts uh, on Twitter, if you fancy. Best driver not to have won a touring car race in the modern age. Uh, right. Um, I just noticed that Mark Blundell has walked in and oh, put Mark and Matty together um, and I'll never shut them up. So go get the man a drink. I'm going to go and sit in the corner with my Sudoku and um, I'll talk to you later. OK, cool. The Lamb and Flag BTCC podcast powered by Cataclean. Well, we have been joined at the bar by Mark Blundell. We're very privileged here at the Lamb and Flag. So, Mark, um, would you like a drink? I'll take a G&T, Matt. That sounds very civilised. Very civilised indeed. Now, lots of exciting things for you happening in the BTCC this year. We're going to see you in a slightly different role uh, as sort of um, boss of MB Motorsport, your own name in the, in the team title. Just tell us how it all came about, really, because you and Sean hit it off last year, didn't you, when you were racing in the Audi? Yeah, you know, I, I've known Sean for, for uh, a few years. Um, and as I've said before many times, I've watched British touring cars from afar. Um, had several conversations with Alan Gow, and we've always talked about doing something. And so when we dipped our toe in the water last season, um, not as successful as I, I would have wished by any means, but it, it is what it is. Yeah. It, it kind of felt right in many ways that, you know, I had to get back to doing what I do best these days, and that's sort of running the sports agency. But at the same time, I didn't want to leave the touring car pit lane because, you know, I, I just feel that it's a fantastic platform. Um, so we basically discussed on several occasions, you know, what, what could we do as a, as a partnership? And Sean, with operational expertise and, uh, and the facilities and our side having sort of, you know, the commercial channels that are open with us mm. to, uh, to explore further and... and I think the combination to date, even though we haven't really done anything on the track, <laughs> yeah. um, is proving to be, you know, successful. But um, as we say, th there's still a lot of questions to answer because we haven't got rolling yet. Yeah, no, we, we, everyone's in a sort of suspended animation. But uh, you'd obviously kept an eye on the BTC, probably watching it on television and what have you. But had you really realised 
you know, once you got involved in it as a driver, did it open what a big show that the championship actually is? Um, I, you know, listen, I, I've always looked at the, uh, the BTCC as the premier motorsport uh, formula as, as a way of explaining it in any, I know it's not single-seaters, but it is what it is, and, and it, it sits at the top of the pile for me, yeah. um, especially now that we don't really have a, you know, a, a super strong uh, F3 platform like we used to, um, mm-hmm. although it's, it's still around in a, in a smaller guise, but I, it, it, it's almost... It's almost like our version of, uh, you know, a NASCAR. You know, you've got all your characters. Yeah. You've got your, uh, you know, your, your, your guys who are like been there forever and, um, you know, get in trouble now and again. You've got your, <laughs> your youngsters coming in to mix it up. You've got your guys who are sort of, you know, your entrepreneurial gent guys that roll in and, and have an out in. And then you've you've got a couple of boys who turn up who um, who try and do something like myself and, and go away with the, the backside kick. So, you know, we, we've seen that, uh, we've seen that several times, you know, and, and that's the beauty of it. But the, the biggest thing for me is that it is ultra competitive. And, and I think they've got it right where this situation where you ballast people out and success weight, mm-hmm. it just gives everybody half a chance of going out down pit lane knowing that they could pull a result and I, and I think that's the beauty of it and th- and that's great for entertainment oh that's certainly certainly what keeps the fans coming back uh, time and time again just talk us through a little bit last year um it, it was a it, decision of yours to join the championship um but did you really realize how much you'd bitten off um yeah i've been out of a car for a long time matt so i mean mm. that that was quite uh, obvious um and as i've said before Ultimately, I didn't intend to be driving a front-wheel drive car. That was not my uh, plan. I, I was a long way down the road between Christmas and New Year, thinking I had to deal with a real-wheel drive car, which would have been pretty competitive, and, and that would have suited me a lot better. Um, that didn't work out, and because of that, we had to change plans you know, very quickly and, uh, and, and could only pick something up that suited us from a branding and budget point of view. Yeah. Um, and also from you know this the situation of being a seat open and there wasn't hardly anything available in the early stage of 2019 so um, it got cobbled together as best we could yeah. uh, I knew I'd be on my back foot because I knew I didn't have the time to dedicate to you know being as competitive as what I should be against a lot of the guys I mean you, you can't you can't underestimate the amount of time and effort that goes into the series from the driver's point of view. I mean, as you know, a lot of these guys are full on, you know, full-time drivers in their own right doing what they do. Um, yeah. And a lot of them have got a huge amount of, you know, experience. I mean, you, you know, Matt Neal has been doing it, what, 1991 in a front-wheel drive car. You know, you, yeah. you can't, you can't expect to walk in and, uh, and, you know, mix it up with these guys. So you've got to learn the trade. But when you give yourself a bit of a, an uphill struggle, um, yes, it does make things difficult. No excuses. At the end of the day, I couldn't get my head around it. I couldn't rewire my brain to drive a front-wheel drive car to the level that I needed. I didn't have a style that suited. You know, I, I pick a throttle pedal up two or three times in a corner, which is yeah. not advisable in front-wheel drive. You want to pick it up once and be pointing in the right direction. Um, so it was stacked against me in some ways. And some of that, doing what I do, you know, the rough and tumble of it, I'm more of a guy who wanted to stay off a curb and stay away from an Armco or another car because that's what you need to finish 24 hours of Le Mans or driving yeah. a single-seater car that doesn't... <clears throat> or uh, getting round an overlook at 220 miles an hour. Exactly. All of those <laughs> things 
and you know when when you're a long way down the line it's difficult to um to rewire the, the head and uh, and a lot of guys didn't fully understand that yeah. um and you know which in, at times was a bit frustrating and disappointing but you know anyway it's it's done it's in the yeah. book it will be in the book whenever the book comes out <laughs> it's another chapter isn't it it's the penultimate one because because you've got more things to look forward to now but but the whole experience of being in the btc obviously you couldn't enjoy it because you weren't delivering what you wanted to deliver on the track but did you enjoy being part of the the, the show a part of the circus as it were uh listen um if you look back over the years since the beginning of my career which is 1984 that is the worst season of my career, without a shadow of a doubt. That's the worst set of results I've ever posted since the day I got you know, myself into a race car, from day one. Yeah. Um, so I'm unhappy, to say the least. I still think there's some unfinished business there. You know, In some ways, like, I should have even jumped in one of the Hondas and just given myself a little bit of something to understand a bit more. But Why didn't you? Because I'd, I'd come to the point where... You know, I am running a business. I've got shareholders. I've got a a big name chairman, and you know, you have to have a sensible conversation and understand there's a bigger picture. And it's great to go around in circles at the weekend, but ultimately, I did that for my profession many, many years ago. And yeah. you know, let's get back to what you do best now. And your real job is running an agency and looking after other guys and doing what you do so you know it, it, it's as i said to you it's it was something that was also an opportunity for me with commercial partners that i i took forward and those commercial partners are still in business with us so that's yeah that's part and parcel of the of the bigger picture also but there's a, there's many other scenarios that went through my head on staying but there's a lot more that went through my head in not staying around and <laughs> this was the better option to take now, you obviously worked with a lot of young drivers with your agency. You, you've helped promote people up through the sport. Um, you worked alongside Jake Hill last year, and he's staying on board with, with MB Motorsport in the Honda, and you've got Sam Osborne too. There must be something you see in Jake, I think. Is, is that right? Um, I see a lot of myself in Jake as a youngster. Hmm. That's, that's, uh, that's one of the things that um, you know really struck me uh, last year, working alongside him. I see a... You know, a, a hugely, and I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet here. You can take it for what it is. What I'm saying, I see yeah. a hugely talented young driver who has, you know, is underrated and been been underrated for a while until he put himself at the top of the podium. Yeah. In a car that I still say today is not that competitive compared to most on the grid um, with yeah. with the Audi, you know, overall. But uh, he's a tenacious racer. Um, I see some edges that need to be polished. And I would really sincerely hope that we're able to give him some help in doing that. And I think there's a lot more to come from him. I think, you know, you've only seen the tip of the iceberg with Jake in, in where he can go. And um, yeah, I, th yeah, I think Jake Hill in, in a Honda is, is a tip for a lot of wins this year. I really think it's a strong one. With the other young drivers that you run, are you now going to be sort of opening the BTC door to some of them? Are you going to be sort of using it as an option for some of the guys that you look after? Uh, listen, I think there's there's plans that, you know, longer term, if things go in the right direction, we would look to make things a little bit more open-ended in in presenting something that might be a, an open channel for some of our in-house guys. Um, mm. Not all of our guys are on that pathway, but it doesn't mean to say that that may change. Um, but, you know, 
bear in mind also, you know, we do have a, a reserve and development driver. We've got Esme Hawkey. Who, yes. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of getting a female driver into all areas of the sport. Um, and, you know, a few years back, I, I managed a, a lady called Maria de Velotto who was on her way to F1. And, you know, yeah. Sadly, we, we lost her. Um, but I, I really would like to see... Uh, as may go to to another stage and and you know if you if you look at her commitment and you look at her uh, her on track success and and abilities I, I think there's great potential there so you know there i'd like to see a system in place i think something like that in touring cars you know is needed i think we should be trying to sort of Agreed. feed the next generation there's a, there's a lot of guys and i'm saying this with the greatest respect there's a lot of guys that in the next couple of years will have to be looking to go you know into uh, into a different role and not be on track Mm. Um, going around in circles because we are getting to that age where you know we need to understand that these whippersnappers are getting bloody good <laughs> and, we, and we've got to recognise that. Yeah, but it means your experience can be put to, to good use like you're doing um, uh, on, on the other side of the pit wall. It, and stepping in with, with Sean to, to, and creating MB Motorsport, it, it's, not a, it's, not, it's not a short-term kick for you, is it? This is something you're committed to in the longer term. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't put my name to something if I didn't feel that it's got potential to grow in mm -hmm. saying that you know if, if there's any time that you wanted to come into a sport and be faced with something that was going to be a completely uh, <laughs> you know left yeah. the field yes. you know yeah. it, it, that that's what we've done and, and and the story of my life in many ways i've always said my time has been crap but there you go <laughs> well it is now mark yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know to answer your question matt it is something that we're, we're looking at longer term and you know i, I I have a huge amount of faith in in Alan Gow. I think his track record speaks for itself. I think he's got the uh, he's got the best interests at heart of the series, and I think he's got you know mm. some great vision. And I would hope that there is, without doubt, a platform that can grow and, and grow in a bigger way. And I, and I think there's a lot of people out there that that don't quite understand British touring cars and don't quite understand, you know, the amount of reward they can get back by being part of it. Um, yeah. You know, whether that's competing, watching, you know, following from afar, it, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic series. And I think, you know, if we could help support that and grow it, then, then that would be rewarding. The ultimate goal, I guess, for any team that's on the grid or, or the, the big ambition is to try and land a manufacturer deal as Speedworks have done and Dynamics have got and what have you. Is 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 that um, something that's on the radar? Is that something you're going to push towards, or just just do it for the first couple of years and see how it goes? Well, I, I think we need to. Um, I think we need to understand a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know if we get many phones in pubs these days, but anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, someone's waiting for it's a taxi probably. Uh, yeah, I think we need to understand, you know, the, the landscape a little bit more, Matt. Really, I think at the same time, you know. There's there's a lot of things that are going to happen over the next twelve months to eighteen months to understand you know where the sport's going to head, yeah. And and I think that's motorsport in general. If you really yeah. want to you know dig down a bit, you, you've got to see where the manufacturers are going to align themselves. And and you know we have got uh, sort of a, a hybrid situation that's evolving with touring cars. So we've got some attractiveness there from manufacturers, um, for sure. I'm going to knock on some doors and I'm going to see whether there's an appetite. I mean, I'd yeah. be naive not to do that. And I'm in you know, contact with many of these guys, with many of our drivers. So it does, you know, get to a point where there may be something that we have a, a conversation that's got synergies on both sides. And if there is, then I'm going to be the first one to try and open the door and take it forward. 
Brilliant. Well, it's definitely some some very exciting times to look forward to, Mark, when we when we do get racing. And uh, yeah, I'd like to, uh, to just say yeah, thanks very much for joining us in the Lemon Flag, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in the in the paddock soon. All the best, guys. Um, just remember, yes. you know, when you're drinking, be responsible. The Lemon Flag BTCC podcast, powered by Cataclean. Time at the bar, please. They've called time at the bar here at the Lamb and Flag, the BTCC podcast powered by Cataclean. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to Dan Robottom and Mark Blandell as well for virtually uh, getting in touch and joining us at the bar this week. Um, we'll be away for a couple of weeks. The next episode, all being well, we're going to talk about the economics of the British Touring Car Championship, talk to drivers, talk to sponsors, talk to teams about how it all fits together, uh, not only uh, under a normal season, but under these somewhat unconventional times as well. So any questions you might have, then feel free to tweet um, at Lamb and Flag and we can go from there. For now, though, from Matt James and David Addison, stay safe. We'll see you soon and uh, join us next time here at the Lamb and Flag. The Lamb and Flag BTCC podcast powered by Cataclean.